0: Our text today is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. It may be asked... Why has God summarized the duty of a wife to her husband in one word, submit? Why is her duty not summarized in the words love or cherish? Well, just as the role of leader lends itself to the sinful tendency of abusing that authority in the part of a husband, And for that reason, he is commanded to love his wife as Christ also loved the church so that he does not abuse the authority given to him. So the role of helper lends itself to the sinful tendency of usurping a husband's lawful leadership on the part of a wife. And for that reason, she is commanded to to submit herself to her husband as unto the Lord so that she does not undermine his lawful authority. God's command to the wife to submit looks realistically at the sinful passions of all subordinates and assistants in all relationships. By nature, dear ones, we do not want to be under the authority of God or anyone else. It is only by grace that we are able to cheerfully submit to God and to all other leaders that he has placed in our lives. What is interesting is that God doesn't tell us to submit only to when we are loved and when we are respected by those who are in leadership, or only when they ask nicely. <clears throat> Just as love is not based upon the lovel- loveliness of the one who is loved, neither is submission based upon the kindness of the one. To be submitted to. It is based upon the lawfulness of the authority possessed. Some wives are waiting for their husbands to become the loving leader that God calls them to be before they submit. The dear women of God... The Lord never calls us to wait for others to obey him before we ourselves obey him. Obedience is always a present duty of love to God first and foremost and not a duty contingent upon the obedience of others. Now, it's true, such obedience is never easy, but it is right. It is right. Simply consider parents. Parents, would you like for your children to wait to obey you until you become the parents God calls you to be? Of course not. And they are commanded because there is lawful authority invested in you as parents. They are to submit themselves to your authority even in your process of sanctification. Neither should any of us, dear ones, wait. Whatever our relationship as a subordinate, neither should we wait to obey the Lord in being subject and submissive to those in authority over us. This Lord's Day, let us press on in our understanding of biblical submission by considering the following main points which flow from our text. First of all, these are three questions. What is the reason for biblical submission? Second, what is the example of biblical submission? And third, what is biblical submission? <clears throat> First question then, what is the reason for biblical submission? Look with me at Ephesians 5, verses 22 and 23. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for, or we could say because, here's the reason, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. When the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, commands wives in Ephesians 5.22 to submit themselves unto their own husbands as unto the Lord, he gives first a reason for the submission. The reason given for your submission, dear women, is because God has made your husband the head or leader within the home. That's the reason. He did not make you the head or the leader. He made your husband from the very beginning. From creation, that was his ordination. According to Ephesians 5.23. Realize therefore, dear ladies, that you cannot resist the leadership of your husband without resisting God himself. Because this is a submission In Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. How are wives to submit unto their husbands? As unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. Whether he is as loving as he should be, whether he is as righteous as he should be, whether he is as wise as he should be, As long as he is lawfully your husband, he remains your leader and head by divine appointment. Only death or a lawful divorce may lawfully terminate that headship. William Gouge, in his excellent treatise of Domestical Duties, responds to a question about the headship of even an unbelieving husband one who, who is unbelieving is married to a believing wife. And it is asked, quote, What if an husband be an enemy of Christ? Must such subjection be yielded to an enemy of Christ as to Christ himself? Answer. Yea, that is yes. Because in his office, he is in Christ's dead, though in his heart an enemy. In his office he stands for Christ, even in, if in his heart he's an enemy. So a wife must be mild, meek, and gentle, obedient, though she be matched with a crooked, perverse, profane, wicked husband. Thus shall her virtue and grace shine forth the more clearly, even as the stars shine forth most brilliantly." In the darkest night. Among wives, Abigail deserveth great praise, that forgot not her duty, though she were married to a, a churlish, that is rude, covetous, drunken, sot, a very Nabal. The word Nabal means fool, in name and deed. As for those wives who take occasion from the wickedness of their husbands to neglect their duty, They add to their cross a curse, for a cross it is to have a bad husband, but to be a bad wife is a sin which pulleth down a curse. The husband is not a self-appointed leader, nor is his leadership the result of a majority vote within the home, it is God's divine appointment. In fact, the Apostle Peter speaks to this issue when he calls Christian wives to submit to the leadership of their unbelieving husbands inasmuch as they bear. That is, even their unbelieving husbands bear God's image in that role. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we read the following. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. He uses the word conversation here. It's not merely talking about the words that you speak, but your entire lifestyle, your behavior, your conduct in every way. If in submission to unbelieving husbands, dear Christian wives, is to submit to the leadership of unbelieving husbands, how much more than to believing husbands who seek to follow Christ, however falteringly, Weekly they may do so. Remember the words of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, who rebelled, you'll recall against the divinely appointed leadership of Moses, by saying this in Numbers sixteen three, this is what these rebels said, who refused to submit to the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And as an example to us all, in all succeeding generations, the Lord revealed his righteous anger against the insubordination of these Levites and opened the earth to swallow them alive. Let us be absolutely clear. God despises insubordination and rebellion against lawful authority. Whatever realm or sphere that it occurs in, he hates and despises insubordination and rebellion against lawful authority, for it is to rebel against God himself. The second question or main point is this What is the example? What is the example of biblical submission? In Ephesians five verse twenty four. Therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The example of biblical submission given by the Apostle Paul to wives is to emulate the church of Jesus Christ in her submission to Jesus Christ. We find in verse 24, begins this way, Therefore as... In other words, here is a comparison... You want to know how wise you are to submit to your husbands? This is the pattern. This is the example you're to submit to your husbands as the church does to Christ. Just as Christ has been appointed head of the church... And so the church must submit to his leadership, so must a wife likewise recognize that her husband has been appointed head of the home and she is to submit to his leadership. But it will no doubt be asked, how can this example be followed inasmuch as Christ is perfect and sinless in his leadership, but my husband is weak, frail, sinful in his leadership? Well, although there is no direct parallel between Christ and a husband in certain respects, for, for example, in righteousness, in the perfect love, in being all wise, knowing all things, nevertheless, I submit to you, perfection is not the basis for following the example of the church and submitting to Christ. Otherwise, the example would never have been submitted. Paul recognized that Christ was a perfect head and that husbands were imperfect heads. And yet he still says that that is the pattern that wives are to follow. It is God's divine appointment that is the basis for submission. And to cheerfully submit to your husbands, dear ladies is to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not to submit to your husbands is not to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, a wife is not to wait, as we said earlier, until her husband reaches a certain level of sanctification before she begins to submit to her husband, as the church does to Christ. I would submit that as she does so, it's much more likely that her husband will, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, that her husband will become more and more the leader that he ought to be, the more that he sees his wife submitting to him even as an imperfect leader and head and family. Another question arises from the example of the church's submission to Christ. Since Christ is absolutely righteous, loving, and wise, there never is a time in which the church should not obey him. But such cannot be said of a husband. How are we wives to submit to our husbands, therefore, in everything, when our husbands are capable of leading us into sin? Let me give a few responses to that question. First of all, submission to lawful authority, even in the home, is never absolute, as we noted last Lord's Day. Only submission to God is absolute, for only God is Lord of the conscience. Even the apostles themselves recognized this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 23, we read, Ye are bought with a price, speaking to Christians who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ye are bought with a price, be not ye the servants of men. That is, do not submit your consciences to men as if they were in absolute lordship over your conscience. Likewise, the Apostle Paul states in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. And here he uses the first person plural, we, as representing all the apostles. He says, not for that we, that is we apostles, not for that we have dominion over your faith but are helpers of your faith or I'm sorry helpers of your joy for by faith you stand the apostles were not lords over the consciences of God's people they were helpers so are ministers so are husbands and so are lawful magistrates so are parents not lords of the conscience but helpers to their faith. <clears throat> Samuel Rutherford, in the preface to his work entitled, A Survey of the Survey of That Sum of Church Discipline, has given a classic remark as it pertains to the matter of submission in church courts, which I believe the principle can be applied to the family and other settings as well, but which I believe should be heeded by all who are in places of authority and all who are in places where they would submit to authority. Listen to what he says. For our church, that is the Church of Scotland, our church acknowledgeth no subjection nor subordination of inferior judicatures, that is inferior courts, church courts, unto superiors, But in the Lord, emphasize that, but in the Lord. It is to make synods and ecclesiastical judicatures, or church courts, lords of our faith, which the Reformed churches detest in popish councils. For all men and councils most lawful can challenge only limited obedience and submission in the lord to their determinations a second comment response to the question that was asked with regard to submitting to sinful husbands and everything Submission to lawful authority, even in the home, is always a reasonable submission. Even though a command or decision may not be strictly unlawful in and of itself, there is no reason to submit to that which is absurd and unreasonable. If a husband told his wife, to go and stand on her head for 30 minutes in the corner, she may legitimately ask the reason for such a command. And if she judges there is no good reason for such a command, she may disregard the command even though it is not unlawful in and of itself to do so. For biblical authority, dear ones, is not the exercise of raw, arbitrary, and unreasonable power. What commands or actions have no tendency to edify and build up in and of themselves are destructive. If the elders in the church commanded every member of the church to wear something red, the color red in their clothing next week, you may lawfully question the reason for that command. And if there were no sound, good, reasonable, or edifying reason given, you should defy that command and wear anything but red in your clothing. Not because you desire to be disobedient or looking for an opportunity to be unsubmissive, but because you desire not to submit your conscience to the arbitrary will of any man. A third reason in answer to the question posed, since lawful human authority is derived from God and represents God, submission must always be ultimately to God whose image is born by the husband. First and foremost, think of yourselves, women, not as submitting to your husbands, first and foremost, think of submitting to God, to Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5:22 says that submission is to be unto the husband, as unto the Lord." Colossians 3:18, "Submission on the part of wives unto their husbands is, "As it is fit in the Lord." those qualifications given. In fact, when a wife submits to that which is unlawful or unreasonable, she has entered into a conspiracy with her husband against the Lord, who is alone Lord of the conscience, as did Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They conspired together against the Lord and lied unto him. For example, if her husband commands her to believe what is false or to teach the children what is false or commands her to lie for him commands her to break the Sabbath or commands her to break a vow upholding any duty commanded in God's word she must respectfully refuse to comply with that command falling back upon God whose authority she she is always and in every situation to submit to. We ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29 Mr. Gouge again in Domestical Duties concisely uh, summarizes the extent of submission required of a wife in these words. He says, subjection must be yielded to the husband as to Christ. Whence will follow two conclusions. One negative, which is this. The wife must yield no other subjection to her husband than what may stand with her subjection to Christ. The other affirmative, which is this. The wife must subject herself to her husband in that manner that she would or should subject herself to Christ. Thus, when in Ephesians 5.24, a wife's submission to her husband is said to be in everything, it cannot mean in every single word which proceeds out of his mouth without exception unless everything is qualified by everything that is good, reasonable, edifying, and lawful. Paul perhaps also emphasized that a wife's submission to her husband is not limited to just certain areas of the marriage when he says that they're to submit in everything, but rather she should cheerfully submit in all areas related to the marriage. The third and final question, and the third and final main point is, what is biblical submission? In part one to the sermon on the duties of wives, I concluded that sermon by removing several false ideas often associated with biblical submission. You remember, they were these. First of all, biblical, biblical submission is not servitude or slavery. Number two, it is not being a doormat. Three, it is not, it does not imply an inferiority as to nature, essence, or being. Number four, it is not the mindless act of a wife who cannot think for herself. And fifth, it is not an unqualified submission on the part of a wife to her husband. Now, having considered what biblical submission is not, let us now positively identify what biblical submission is. First of all, biblical submission is a God-given grace that willingly and cheerfully acknowledges the husband to be the lawful, God-ordained leader Of the home. Now I begin at this point because apart from the grace of God, no man, woman, or child is able to acknowledge their subordinate role under lawful authority, as one ought to do. Like any other good work or gracious affection that should be manifested in the life of a Christian, biblical submission is not the basis of a wife's acceptance before a holy God any more than love on the part of the husband toward his wife is the basis for his acceptance before a holy God. It is not her submission that merits salvation, but Christ's submission to his Father's will that merits our salvation. It is not our love, husbands, for our wives that merits our salvation, but Christ's love for us that merits our salvation. But it is by means of the grace of God that the seed of biblical submission is indeed sown in the heart of the child of God. That seed must be watered every day. Women, every day, that seed of biblical submission, and men as well, must be watered with the word and with prayer. If it is to grow. Otherwise, it will die. Uh, We don't have to We don't have to take a knife or a pair of clippers to cut down the plant of biblical submission. All we have to do is refuse to give it the nourishment that it needs. And there will not be biblical submission in our lives, manifested in our lives. Ladies, you have no doubt noticed that submission is very easy as long as you and your husband agree concerning matters. No problem with biblical submission then. But let a decision go contrary to the direction you think it should go, and then it is not so easy to submit. That is why it is impossible to speak of biblical submission apart from the work of God's Spirit in the life of a woman. It is not natural for a wife or anyone else to submit in cheerfulness in peace, and in contentment. Our nature is one of rebellion against God and against man. As apart from the free and powerful grace of Christ in giving you the desire in your life, the desire to submit in the fear of the Lord and in subduing and crucifying that natural desire to lord it over your husband, it is not possible to submit to the Lord as the Lord called you to do. Is biblical submission a desirable and good quality? The Bible says that it is. God says that it is. Then I submit to you, come to your father earnestly and beseech him every day to grant it to you. Because as we read earlier in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door will be opened. That's not just talking about areas where you're you're seeking God's direction in certain areas. That's talking about things that you know you should do as well. And you see that You lack within yourself the grace in these areas. What do you do? Well, you ask. You seek. And you knock. And you keep on asking. And you keep on seeking. And you keep on knocking. And God says, he'll not withhold that which is good for you. And if biblical submission is good for you, he'll supply that grace that you need. This grace may indeed be despised as worthless by the world around us, but let me tell you, it is of great value, of great price in the sight of God and in the sight of your husband. It makes a woman truly beautiful in the sight of God. The second thing that biblical submission is, biblical submission is a matter of obedience to all the lawful and reasonable commands of a husband. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6, we are given an example of Sarah. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid, with any amazement. The example of Sarah in obeying her husband, Abraham, is given to us here in 1 Peter 3 6. This is not a begrudging obedience, but a sincere, willing, and even cheerful obedience to all lawful and reasonable commands. The husband who understands how to lead his wife will only resort to an outright command and to that type of authority when other forms of request and persuasion, gentleness, have fallen upon deaf ears. He will use that authority as we heard earlier in a sermon only when he has to, not every moment, not every day, but only when it's absolutely necessary. Because we read in Proverbs 15.1 that a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. But even if the husband should issue direct ultimatums to his wife, and even if he does so harshly, not as he should, harshly, and if we could criticize everything about the way in which he did so, the question still has to be asked, what is the wife's duty even in those cases? Is it not her duty yet to look beyond her husband if what he commands is both lawful and reasonable and to obey him? Absolutely. Is that hard? Yes. Husbands, put yourself in your wife's position. You probably have been there with regard to your bosses. In other situations where you have been a subordinate, and you have been told to do things that you didn't believe were unlawful in and of themselves, but you didn't think that was the best way to do something. Was it hard for you to submit in that situation? consider then how your wife feels in that situation and have a little pity yourselves with her that she struggles we know what her duty is according to the word of God but I'm sure some sympathy and pity will go a long way even in those situations some tenderness and gentleness will go a long way even in those situations rather than Barking out orders out of frustration. Your wives, it's much better and much wiser to bite your tongue in situations like that when you would like to give your husbands a, a piece of your mind. You know, keep the peace of your mind. You know, most of us need all pieces of the mind that we have. We can't afford to give any of them up. And so, keep that peace of mind. Let matters cool down and then respectfully raise your concerns at a suitable time. But such is the obedience Christ calls a Christian wife to practice. Thus how foreign and inconsistent with this truth is the wife who rails against her husband when the women get together. Dear ladies, be ever so careful when you correct your husband's faulty memory when he is in public that it does not come across as if by your words and deeds you are putting him in his place. Public humiliation, whether it comes from the husband or from the wife, is unprofitable to edification. When you honor your husband in word and in deed as your head, remember, you honor God who placed him there. And God says, those who honor me, those who honor me, I will honor. Thus, ladies, just as you will tell your children not to demonstrate a disrespect for your lawful authority by shouting, by speaking in a condescending manner, by weeping uncontrollably, by refusing to speak to you, by carrying a chip on uh, your shoulder, by moping ar- on their shoulder, by moping around as if the world had come to an end, or by slamming the door as they leave the room. So likewise, do unto others, namely your husband, as you would have others, namely your children do unto you. Men, a good leader always recognizes he may have missed something in a decision or in a plan. He realizes he's not infallible, not all-knowing. He realizes that, that he does not not only not know everything, but he is very capable of erring. Thus, he doesn't despise his wife's input, but rather encourages and solicits her wisdom on a matter. Dear ones, it's the proud, insecure leader that leads all by himself, never seeking or following the good advice of others. Of course, where there is disagreement between the husband and the wife in regard to a decision that must be made, It's a decision that must be made. You don't have a whole lot of time to make this decision. The deadline is coming. It's not something that you push back. It must be made. It is, I submit to you, the husband's duty under God to lead his wife in love by making that final decision. First seeking to persuade her of the wisdom of that decision. But then it is the husband's duty to lead And it is the wife's duty to submit, even if she thinks it's not the best, the wisest decision. Only if she believes it is a sinful or totally absurd and unreasonable decision, ought she to not submit. It is also the wife's duty to follow in meekness the decision of her husband. Unless that decision leads her to sin in some way. And it is precisely at that point, dear wives, that you are tested in the whole matter of submission. It's amazing how in God's wise plan for marriage ordinarily, when a husband sincerely seeks to love his wife as Christ loved the church, that love draws forth a response of cheerful submission from the wife. And when a wife cheerfully submits to the leadership of her husband, that cheerful submission draws forth from the husband an even greater expression of love for the wife, which compels then a greater degree of submission, which constrains even more love and affection, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. An unending cycle. When we simply focus upon the duties God has given to us. As I close, let me apply these truths to our lives today in a few ways. First, wives pray much for your husband in his role as leader. It is no easy job to lead and to love a wife as Christ leads and loves his church. It may seem to wives that you have the more difficult job. Remember, you're emulating the church. Remember who the husband has to emulate, the Lord Jesus Christ. You emulate an imperfect church in your obedience, but we are to emulate a perfect head and Savior, even Jesus Christ. The burden is indeed great for any Christian husband who takes his duty seriously before God. Therefore, cover their weaknesses in love rather than exposing all their faults. Pray for them. Pray for them daily. Second, wives, do not lose heart that your meek and quiet spirit goes unnoticed by your husband. A wife who adorns herself with godly submission is indeed a beautiful creature and will more likely have a direct effect upon her husband than a wife that is loud, contentious, disrespectful, and a continual nag. Even if nothing ever changes in the life of your husband, even if nothing ever changes in the life of your husband, you are a pearl of great price in the sight of God when you exercise godly biblical submission. Third, wives focus more on your own growth in godly submission than upon your husband's growth in Christ-like love, just as the husbands should focus more on their need to grow in love than upon their wives' need to grow in submission. If each one is focusing their attention upon their own duties, guess what? They're going to meet somewhere in the middle and they're going to be appreciating all that is happening in one another's lives. Dear uh, dear wives, this is not an if-he-loves-then-I-will-submit proposition. Proposition. You will give an account, just as the husbands will, you'll give an account before the Lord on that final day as to your biblical submission to your husband, and you won't be able to excuse yourself by saying, but my husband wasn't this and this and this and this. Fourth, you single women and young ladies, take care who you consent to marry, for you will be called to submit to him as your head. Make sure you do not fall into some emotional swoon in which you overlook some glaring faults. How does he submit to the authority of others? For those men who have learned by God's grace to submit to others will most likely leave their wives in love because they've learned how to submit themselves. Is he respectful to his own parents' And to the elders of the church? Or does he berate those in authority over him? How does he treat women in general? How does his father treat women in general? Because he may have learned some things from his father that are passed on to him. Is he courteous and is he gentle with women? Does he flirt? These are all important questions ladies, young single women, to think about before you consent to marry a man. And finally, dear ladies, remember that Christ does not call you to do something he himself was unwilling to do. An interesting passage of Scripture after the incident where Jesus, when he was 12 years of age, went to Jerusalem. His parents, having gone to celebrate the Passover there. And in Luke chapter 2, you remember that he stayed behind and they couldn't find him. And they finally found him and he was scolded by them and he said, I must be about my father's business. But then that chapter closes this way. And he, that is Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Was subject unto them. He who was perfect, he who never sinned, said, I will submit myself to sinful parents. No doubt uh, Joseph and Mary were good parents. But they were sinners. No doubt they could have falsely accused him. And other times, even as they rebuked him, uncharitably and wrongly in this particular case, but he subjected himself even to sinful parents. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart, and then verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Dear ones, Christ is not only an example to the husband as to how he is to love his church, how the husband is How Christ loved the church and how the husband is to uh, love his wife. But Christ is also an example to the wife as to how she is to submit to her husband. The sinless Son of God was even subject to frail, sinful parents. Furthermore, Christ submitted to the will of his Father in all things, even to the point of dying upon the cursed cross. According to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Here was Christ's submission to the will of God is the very righteousness that is imputed to you by faith alone. His submission is your salvation. Let not the world feed you its poisonous lies to the effect that submission, biblical submission, godly submission, is the meaning or belittling. To the contrary, biblical submission is actually, according to God, biblical submission is actually the way to honor and exaltation, according to James chapter 4, verse 7, verse 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Submit yourselves unto the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He will exalt you. He will
1: honor you. Please stand with me in prayer.